0: Okay, if everyone would come back to their seats, I appreciate your uh, being here this morning. This is our last uh, sermon on a series in Colossians. It has been a privilege um, serving you. I said in that first message, I think that I'm the waiter, God is the cook, Colossians is what's on the menu, and we've been spending our time uh, the last most... This is our seventh Sunday that we've been in the book of Colossians. And what we're going to do this morning is finish the book of Colossians. If you want to turn to chapter 4, we're going to begin by reading that passage. We've covered through chapter 4, verse 1. We're going to pick it up now in verse 2, and we're going to read through the end of the chapter. Paul's going to give some final instructions and then some greetings at the end of his letter. This is very typical of the apostle. He he was a... uh, a personal, a very personal apostle, and so a lot of his letters include personal greetings and things like that. And uh, sometimes we get to these uh, people at the end of Paul's letters, and you think, what do you do with all these folks? But there's a good there's a good reason that they're included. We're going to talk about some of those this morning. But let's read here from Colossians chapter four, verse two. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea, to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, see that you have fulfilled the ministry that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand, remember my chains, grace be with you. Let's keep our Bibles open, and let's keep our hearts open. Let's bow in prayer. Lord Jesus, we come this morning with our hearts open to receive the word of God. Jesus said that the sower went forth to sow, and the seed fell on different types of soil. Lord, we pray today that our hearts would be the type of soil that is ready to receive the word of God, that it might come into our hearts and that it might take root and bear fruit for the kingdom of God. We thank you, Father, for this final chapter in Colossians. And we just pray that what you would have us to learn from this passage, put into our hearts and then apply in our lives, that we would do that for your glory to the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus name. Amen. It's interesting as um, um, Paul has talked about a number of things. Remember this, folks. Last week I said, you wouldn't want to try the double somersault off the six foot pl- six inch platform, right? But when we realize all that God has done for us and Paul builds a very good case for us in Colossians up to this point, turn with me in your Bibles. back to chapter one. Do you remember in chapter one verse twenty one? Let's remind ourselves where we've been. God speaking to us. He's he's already talked about how all the fullness is in Christ. And then he goes to us in verse 21 of chapter one. He says, and you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, what has happened? Verse 22. He is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death. Why did he do that? In order to present us holy and blameless and above reproach. Before him. So we see how God has reconciled us in chapter 1. What did God do for us in chapter 2? Look in chapter 2. In verse let's see here, 13. And you. "...who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of death that stood against us with its legal demands. This He set aside, nailing it to the cross." So in chapter 1, we were reconciled. In chapter 2, we were made alive. Made alive with Christ. So this is what he's and work, working ourselves into chapter 3. What happened in chapter 3? It says here, reminding us in verse 12, he says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. We are God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. And this is what this is the platform we start from. Now, when we get into chapter 4, he's he we talked last week about husbands and wives. We talked about children and parents. We talked about masters. There's going be slaves and masters in that order. And now we're moving into these final instructions here. He's got about uh, two paragraphs starting in verse 2. The next thing he goes to is prayer. He says, you should continue steadfastly. Steadfastly in prayer. That's what we're going to put between the lines. We're going to continue steadfastly in prayer. Take the lines, turn it into an arrow. There you go. Steadfastly means to continue doing something for the long haul. To keep on keeping on. When God God says through the apostle, I want you to continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful with, with thanksgiving, He means He wants us to pray and keep on praying. How many of you have been praying for someone or something for a number of years? And you know, that someone or something just... Doesn't seem to be changing. And of you had that experience, hopefully you are praying, people that you're praying for, and and we love it when, when our prayers are answered. But remember this, beloved, a prayer that we pray to God is always heard and always answered. God doesn't always answer it in the way we thought necessarily. God always answers, and He wants us to continue steadfastly in prayer. Now... It's important, not just to pray, but, he says next, to be watchful. Okay, we're going to be watchful. Keep your eyes open. I'm not necessarily suggesting that every time your dad prays at the table, children, you keep your eyes open and make faces at your brother. In fact, I kind of discourage that. I encourage eyes closed. But when he says being watchful, he's not talking about um, eyes open, although if you pray when you're, you're driving, keep your eyes open. Be watchful in prayer. Be aware of what's going on in your world. Be aware of what's going on in your family. Be aware of what's going on in your own heart. Be watchful in the prayer. We're going to keep praying, keep on, keep on praying, and we're going to be watchful. We're going to be mindful of things that could distract us, mindful of things that could discourage us, mindful of things that could tempt us or call us away. God wants us to be watchful with thanksgiving. We're going to continue steadfastly in prayer being watchful with thanksgiving. Now look at what the Apostle prays then in verse um, 3. He said, at the same time, pray also for us. Now now the Apostle doesn't uh, uh, mention himself always and lots of times, but when he does mention his own need for prayer, first thing he says is this, at the same time, pray for us. He says, pray that God may open to us a door for the word. He looks. He's looking for a door to share Christ clearly. I want to be able. Paul is saying, "You pray for me. I want to be able to share Christ plainly." Okay, pray for us that God may open the door for the word. I think it's important for all of us to understand that the opportunities that we have to share the gospel come as a result of prayer. Do you have someone that? you're close to who doesn't know Christ as their Savior? Do you have someone that you care about who are still struggling with the, the, the burden and the weight of their own sin? Well, then Paul says, pray for a door of opportunity. Pray for the door to open up that you can share. He says, pray for me. Pray that God would open this door for the Word. And when he gets this opportunity to share, what does he ask? To declare the mystery of Christ. What we're trying to share is Christ. I want to share Christ and i want to share him in a way that not only does Jesus make sense, but there's an appeal. Can we do the appealing? No. But the Holy Spirit can use our words to bless those that we talk to so they can get a clue to the joy we have in Christ. And that's what he's praying. He says, you pray that I can share the word clearly. And he mentions this little aside. He says, on account of which I am in prison. What got Paul in prison was his willingness to talk about Christ. He was willing to share his faith even when it wasn't always popular. In fact, there were a lot of circles that Paul shared his faith, whether he's in front of governors or kings or in front of a whole Jewish audience that isn't so happy about this new preaching, this new gospel. Paul's willing to share it and he's willing to make a bold bold claim to the, uh, the witness of Jesus. And he says, pray that I can do this. That I make it, may make it clear. And that I would make it uh, speak as I ought to speak. Next thing he turns his attention to is. Because today's message is titled. Praying, walking, talking. And the people of God. He goes from praying to walking. How does Paul want us to walk? Look what it says in verse 5. He says walk in wisdom toward outsiders. Making the best use of the time. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders making the best use of your time okay do you find that time gets away pretty quickly time's about like money it's here and it's gone right it's here and it's gone what'd you do yesterday what'd you do last week do you know that this is uh, the end of April I mean we're in the fourth month at the end of this month we're in the middle of April, we're in the latter part of April I'll tell you what folks 2015 is 33% gone when April's gone, where'd it go? what have you done? Paul says I want you to walk in wisdom toward outsiders and again, when he's talking about outsiders he's talking about people who don't have faith people who don't know Christ and this is very important for us because it would be interesting to take a snapshot of this group on Tuesday on Tuesday, where will you be? I mean, we're going to be from those of you who work in Logan. I'm looking at Chad and Doug who work in Wyoming and wherever. Walmart sent you this week, right, Chad? I mean, you're going to be all over. And, And we're all going to be in our homes. We have different circles of influence. And in those circles of our influence, we're going to be rubbing shoulders with how many? Let's say hundreds. Would it be fair to say hundreds by the time you count all of our kids in school? And there's going to be hundreds, almost thousands of kids that are folks that are going to be rubbing shoulders with people who are here this week. He says to us, walk in wisdom toward outsiders. God wants us as Christians to conduct ourselves in ways that reflect him well. How many of you parents, when you take your kids to some company's house, you're going over to someone's house for supper, and you have this speech... Have I mentioned the speech? You all know the speech you give your kids. Alright, when we get here, we're going to act like we have some manners. And we're not going to do this. We are going to do that. Well now, obviously God says it in a much more gracious tone than I just used, but it's important for us to understand when God has you in your workplace, or you in your school class, or wherever we are this week in your neighborhood, God wants you to act like His children. Right? This whole book of, of this book of Colossians has had a lot of... Okay, look, y'all. You're raised with Christ. Let's live like we, we love Him. You are new creatures. You are alive. You are reconciled. Let's make my life reflect the fact that God loves me and I've got something to offer my world. He said, look, you folks, kids of mine, speaking to the Colossian believers, he says, I want you to walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of our time. This morning in Sunday school, we were talking about king Hezekiah, one of the good kings of Judah. Good king Hezekiah was told by the prophet, get your house in order. You are going to die. Most of us don't get that kind of a warning from the Lord. So Isaiah delivers that message. Isaiah leaves the palace and he's on his way out and the Lord stops him because Hezekiah in the meantime has turned to the Lord and humble prayer and says, Lord, really, I, I really don't want to die. I've been serving you. Isaiah goes back and tells him he gets 15 more years. Now, we were talking this morning in Sunday school class if God said to you, I'm going to give you 15 more years, what are you going to do with the time? Are you going to make wise use of your time? Well, we would all hope so, right? But here's the thing in a sense, we all have a limited amount of time. Some of us who think we're going to live as old as our grandparents may think we have 30 or 40 more years. But we're not guaranteed that. So, in the meantime, God says, Listen, I want you to walk in wisdom toward unbelievers, for people who aren't uh, persuaded that Jesus is the Christ, who haven't accepted Him as their Savior. I want you all to act like, walk in wisdom toward them, and make the best use of your time. There are lots of things that we do that don't matter for eternity, right? That doesn't mean we shouldn't do them. We're talking about laundry in Sunday school. We talk about lots of things in Sunday school. We're talking about laundry. Does laundry matter for eternity? Um, yes. you know what? There's a yes. It does because we didn't we read last week. Whatever you do, work out with all your heart. You working for the Lord. Fold socks for Jesus, right, kids? Mom asks you to fold some laundry. Fold socks like you mean it. Full socks like you're God's watching full socks like this is a good program, but there are a lot of things that we can find ourselves doing, whether it's hobbies or time. I'm not saying hobbies are bad, but you know, all, everything that I do, anytime I get a spare moment or a spare dollar, I spend it on me. I think God would have us think about our priorities and he would want us to spend our time in ways that are going to affect others, bless others, serve others, and making best use of our time. So Paul says, listen, I want you all to pray steadfastly. I want you to walk in wisdom, making good use of your time. And then he gets to our speech. Look here in verse 6. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Always, instead of speech, I'm using the word talk. Always talking graciously. Now, why did I put a cross at the front of my T? I used a cross because he wants us to be speaking graciously, Christ-centered speech, Christ-focused speech. Remember in Colossians chapter 3, when we were putting on all of these things like... um, Uh, love and kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. You know what? What kind of speech comes out of a heart like that? I mean, as a daddy, I can confess to you that sometimes I get annoyed at things my children do and my speech isn't always gracious. But if I'm putting on meekness and if I'm putting on patience and I'm putting on forbearance, I had to confess to Brenda one day this week. I was talking to her in a way that wasn't gracious. I was talking to her like I was kind of fired up and a little upset. And you know what? That's not right. The Holy Spirit came and said, hello. Knocked on my door and said, is that how you're going to talk to your wife? And I had to admit, no, I was I was wrong. And I'm coming back to this verse. He says, I want Jesus says, I want you talking graciously and I want your speech seasoned with salt, seasoned with salt. It's important that our uh, speech is seasoned with salt. Salt does a couple things. Back in the pioneer days, why did they use salt for It was a preservative. OK, salt is a preservative. What happens if salt loses its saltiness? It's useless. And God wants our speech to be seasoned with salt. Now, beloved, if you have a, a, a friend, a co-worker, let's say, and they're not a believer, do you think it's wise just to crank their mouth open and pour salt down? You can actually kill people, salt poison, people can die with too much salt. But on the other hand, if your speech is seasoned with salt, You leave room in your speech for Christ. You leave room in your speech for spiritual things. If you have, how many, how hard is it to find a co-worker, friend or neighbor who's going through a problem? Not very. very. There's a lot of people we know who are struggling. Maybe they're struggling in a relationship. Finances. Everything from the way their kids are behaving or their car is broken down. People have got problems. You can lend a listening ear that says, you know what? Sounds like you're going through I've found that when I go through tough times, I can—I'm just so thankful. I can rely on what God says in the Bible. Or, you know what? It seems like you're—you're uh, you're pretty discouraged. How would you like to come to church on Sunday morning? I, we'd love to have you. I think you'd find it encouraging. You know, if your speech is seasoned with salt, there's room for Christ in your conversation. Folks, if we never opened our mouths about the God who saved us, the God who adopted us, the God who reconciled us, the God who made us alive with Him in Christ, and who did it at a great expense, we might ask ourselves are we embarrassed that God reconciled us? Are we embarrassed that He made us alive? Are we embarrassed to be a new? No, God forbid. May we be understanding what it took to get me where I am in Christ. It took God's only Son. Lord, help us that our speech may be seasoned with salt, that we're not afraid to ask people, hey, could I pray for you? You know what most people will tell you? Sure. Then do it right there on the spot. Now, I don't blow their doors. I remember this gentleman I knew. His name was John. John Burnham, he did such a great job. He was a counselor. He made prayer a part of his counseling. He'd be in the middle of the counseling session. Say, you know what? That's a great point. Let's just ask God to help us remember that. You know, someone would bring them up or whatever, or they had a need. You know what? That sounds really hard. Let's take a minute and pray. He would pray right there on the spot. He was always interrupting my phone conversations. I'd be talking to John and he'd say, hey, let me pray for you. Man, he'd pray. Pray for your friend. Let your speech be seasoned with salt, God says, um, so that you can know how you ought to answer each person. Each person is different. This person's needs are different than that. Lord, give me wisdom. Give me opportunities to be that seasoned uh, Salt speaking Christian in my friend's life. Okay, so when he gets done with that, the, the, do you have a little paragraph heading in your Bible? What does it say after verse uh, 6, right before verse 7? Final greetings. Something like that in your Bible if you've got paragraph topics. Final greetings. Now Paul goes through a, a whole bunch of us's. The people of God speaking to all of us. Look at all the us's. Tychicus, Aristarchus, Justus, Onesimus, Epaphras, Demas, Nymphus. No, Nymphus isn't. <laughs> nymphus is one of the non-us folks mentioned. Luke is mentioned there, and Barnabas. They're all mentioned. These us's. Now, what I think about is this: when you come to a passage in the Scripture, the Bible says all Scripture is given is profitable. All Scripture is God-breathed and is profitable for doctrine, for uh, correction. For uh, instruction and for discipline, training and righteousness, every scripture is profitable. So when you read this list of somewhat difficult old te- or assuming New Testament Greek names, there is something we can learn. Look at this, Tychicus. What does he tell us about Tychicus? Well, it says he's a beloved, he's a he's a beloved brother, a faithful minister. He's a fellow servant that I sent to encourage you all. Now, did you learn anything about Tychicus just now? He looks like kind of a nice guy. How would you like to have a few of them in your pocket? Not your pocket, in your repertoire of friends. I've got a... You have a Tychicus in your life. Can you be a Tychicus? Can you be someone who is beloved, easy to love, a faithful minister, a fellow servant? You're willing to do whatever it takes. You're a Tychicus. How about Aristarchus? Have you ever had an Aristarchus in your life? A fellow prisoner. Have you ever had someone that really could relate to what you were going to because they maybe were going through the same thing. In fact, they're so willing to go through it with you or maybe they've been through it, they come and spend time with you. Aristarchus is in prison with Paul. He's a fellow prisoner. He says, hey, Aristarchus greets you. Uh, He mentions Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. We know Barnabas was called in another place the son of encouragement. Then we get down to verse 11 and this justice fellow, Jesus... Who is called justice. I mean, if you had the name Jesus, would you want to change? Would you rather go by some other name? Seriously. I mean, if your mother had named you Jesus, Yeshua, and you know about Jesus the Christ and your middle name was something else, I think you went by justice. Just don't call me Jesus. I mean, when you call me Jesus, no, I'm not Jesus. Jesus is Jesus. Call me justice. Justice. What about Justice. It says, these are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God. They were fellow workers, okay, Mark and Justice, and they were, look in verse 11, they've been a comfort to me. Do you know, brothers and sisters, that your body needs help? I know my body needs help. But when your body hurts, when your body hurts, your body especially needs help. Would you agree? What's the last thing you did to your body? Stub a toe, get a hangnail, get a splinter, hurt something really bad. I know Carol Lee, she's up at the youth. She broke her hand recently. Boy, when she broke her hand, it's like the whole body, the hand is telling the whole body, hand hurting, hand hurting. It hurts every heartbeat, right? Brothers and sisters, remember this. Sometimes the body of Christ hurts. Sometimes you hurt. Here's the deal. There's two things that need to happen. Number one. My body does an excellent job When my hand hurts Tell the rest of the body what's going on In the body of Christ Sometimes we don't do such a good job Sometimes we come to church and we're hurting And if someone says to you Corey might say to me How you doing? And I'm going to say fine I just lie. I'm not doing fine I'm not doing fine And sometimes our pride keeps us from admitting That we're hurting things have to happen in a body to work. Number one, the body has to be willing to let the other body parts know, I'm not doing so good. I'm hurting right now. I could use your prayers. I need some comfort because see, Mark and Justice were aware of Paul's situation. They could comfort him. But if you come to church and I don't tell you where I'm hurting or what's going on, how can you comfort me? So the two things that have to happen is we have to be willing to communicate our pain, but we also, as the body, need to be willing to say, if if you ask someone... Corey says, "So how are you doing, Jeff?" And I say, "Not so good." Oh, okay. And he goes on like I just said, "Fine." Not Corey would do that. I'm just, I'm just saying. We have got to be willing to listen as a body and respond in love. So, Tychicus, Mark, and I mean, Mark and Justice, their fellow workers, they're comforting. Who is this Onesimus fella? Do you remember him from? We talked about him a little bit last week. Onesimus was the runaway slave who is taking this letter back to the Colossians uh, from Paul. But now this guy who was a runaway rascal slave is now a faithful and beloved brother in the faith. I think it's important for us to think about Onesimus. You know, it doesn't matter where we've been. There is a place for each one of us in the body of Christ. There's a place for everyone. Slave... Prisoner doesn't matter. There's a place for us in the body of Christ. Onesimus is faithful and beloved, regardless of my past. With God's grace, I can be this in Christ. Epaphras. What do we read about Epaphras? Well, who was Epaphras? Remember back to the beginning of the letter. Epaphras was the fellow who had gone, who had gone to the east from uh, Colossae over to Eph- Ephesians, Ephesus. To hear the gospel He was the man who came back and said Hey y'all, I heard Paul Let's get excited about Jesus He started the church in Laodicea and Colossae This Epaphras Well, what about Epaphras? Listen to this Epaphras He greets you He says he is one of you. He, came from you he came from Colossae He's one of you He's a servant of Christ Jesus He greets you Always struggling on your behalf in his prayers Let's stop for a minute Sometimes, as a prayer, as a person who prays, would you have to admit, like we talked about last fall, that you would be prayer weaklings and anonymous? I mean, do you sometimes feel like you're a prayer weakling? Here's a fellow, I do, I do, I do, not, I do not feel like I'm the kind of person, I want to be like this apropos. I want to be a servant of Christ who struggles in prayer, just keeps on praying, keeps on praying, keeps on praying, struggling in prayers. And he's working hard for others. It says, he is struggling on your behalf in his prayers that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. What is, what is Epaphras praying? He's praying for this church. Lord, Lord, help the church at Grace Fellowship Church. Lord, help them to be fully assured in what you've done for them. Lord, help them to stand mature in Christ, stretching their spiritual muscles and growing. He says to, in verse 13, says, I bear in witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and her Hierapolis. This Epaphras fellow, his life was marked by by work, hard work in prayer for other people. I find it hard just to pray for 30 minutes. Hey, I find it hard to pray for 10 and at night, I find it hard to pray for five. Just being honest. I'm serious. When I get to the end of my day, my bedtime prayers, you know, sometimes you start on your knees. And you wake up. And your face is buried in your arm. Lord, help me to be a man like Epaphras. Who struggles, struggles through it, works through it, working hard for others, praying. Look at Luke, Luke the beloved physician. He's sending his greetings. Luke and Demas are sending their greetings. And then we get to Nympha. What can we learn about Nympha? Well, this lady, how do we know it's a lady? Well, it says the church is in her house. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. Here's a lady who's willing to host church. We we can be thankful we've got a nice place to come And do our church service on a Sunday morning But they, in that time, they didn't gather in Buildings called churches They gathered in people's homes The church was a group of believers And if we didn't have this building We could gather in people's homes Are you willing to host church? Or are you willing to serve at church? What are you willing to do? And lastly, he says to this Archippus And say to Archippus I want to focus on this last one Because when you think of the last two letters in the word Archippus, say to us, say to us, say to Archippus, well, this morning we're going to say it to all of us. What is the last thing Paul has to say to this Archippus? Look what it says there, verse 17. See that you fulfill the ministry that you have received of the Lord. Imagine the Lord Jesus saying to all the... Brothers and sisters of Grace Fellowship Church I want you all to fulfill The ministry that you have received of the Lord you say what's that ministry? That's a good question What is your role In this body? You are a valuable part of this body You are here for a reason And like your body which has many Members, Paul would write this in Corinthians The ear can't say to the eye I don't need you and the head can't say to the foot, I have no need of you. And just because I'm not the eye, then I'm not of the body. Well, that's kind of ridiculous. You have a part. You have a ministry. What is your ministry? What are you doing for Jesus? I know that I. there's a lot of things that get done around the church that get done on a weekly basis. We need someone in... In, in the nursery. We need someone in children's church. We need someone to teach Sunday school. We need someone to clean the church. We need people to sing. We need people to pass out brochures. We need people just to do whatever and everything that gets done. We need people who will listen and who will comfort. We need people who will be fellow workers and people who struggle in prayer. We will be people who share their feelings, how they're doing honestly, and people who come alongside them to comfort them. We need us all. And God says to all of us, Say to all of us, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. Dear ones, this letter in Colossians ends on this note. This is, uh, well, I'm sorry. He says, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. And you know, uh, when you think about fulfilling the ministry that you have received, probably one of the best ways that we can do that is with grace. Verse 18 says, remember my chains. Lastly, grace be with you. We are Grace Fellowship Church. We live in Grace. That we know that it is by God's gift that we've been saved. We know that by God's gift we've been reconciled. We know that by God's gift He has called us into this relationship with Him. It's by grace. We also know that it's by grace that you stand in Christ. And I have to remember to extend grace to you, my brothers and sisters. We need to extend grace to one another. We, we um, walk in this grace. This grace be with us so that we may fulfill the ministry that we have received in the Lord. What is your ministry? How can you serve? How can you encourage? How can you help? How can you bless? I want to encourage all of us. This book in Colossians is a great, great book. And the reason it's so great is because it focuses, first of all, on what God did for us. To put us in Christ so that now we can do what God wants us to do for others. And I hope as we've read through it, you've been blessed. And uh, I'm going to, uh, uh, well, let me just say it this way. I'm, I have enjoyed the privilege of walking through Colossians with you. And as Pastor Bill is going to continue a series on walking, biblically, biblical walking, there's different ways. And for a number of weeks now, he's going to present a number of lessons on how we should walk. I just pray that the things we've learned in Colossians will continue to bless you. We're going to um, close with a, a song. Um, Titled, Turn Your Eyes on Jesus. And the reason I wanted to pick this song is, if you look at Colossians chapter 3, remember after Paul turned the corner of all of those things he had to say in chapters 1 and chapter 2. He says in chapter 3, If then you have been raised with Christ... Seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. This verse talks about seeking the Lord, setting our minds on the Lord. And this last song that we're going to sing is titled, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. And I just want to encourage you, as we close... To uh, think about turning, turning your eyes upon the Savior. Let's close in prayer. Father in heaven, it's been our privilege this morning to hear from your word and we just pray as we think about who Jesus Christ is that we would turn our hearts to him if we have never come to him in faith, believing that he died for our sins, in faith believing that he is the only way to God. We pray that we could do that this morning. And if by your grace we have been reconciled, to Christ if we have been made alive in Christ we pray that as your children we would turn our eyes toward Jesus and look in his face and Lord that we would understand the great message of his salvation and go into our world walking in wisdom speaking with salt in our conversation to those who need you loving one another in this body, fulfilling the ministry that You've given to us. We love You and thank You. Bless each person here, each family represented, and those that we love who aren't. We give You praise in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. As you go, it's been a privilege. Have a great day in the Lord.